Welcome to That's Marketing Baby, the weekly show where two marketing besties talk all things marketing in the world of B2B and B2C. I'm your co-host, Susan Winograd, and I've spent over 20 years in marketing focusing on paid media and email marketing. And I'm Jess Cook, copywriter and creative director turned content marketer. Every week, we'll tackle a topic that's on our minds and hopefully yours too. Ready? Let's go. That's Marketing Baby is brought to you by Aircule. Aircule is an agency that helps small content teams get control of their SEO, analytics, and content strategy. Susan and I have both worked with the Aircule team. They're amazing. They're super smart, and their free app, Atimo, tells you what content is performing, what isn't, and what to work on next. My favorite feature are knowing what pages are my wallflowers. These are pages with good engagement that aren't getting much traffic. Then I can figure out what to do next. Check it out at Ottimo.cool. That's O-T-T-I-M-O dot C-O-O-L. And now on to the show. Hello, hello. Welcome, everyone. Oh my gosh, it's happening. It's happening. We're here. This is so exciting. It's episode one. Episode one of That's Marketing, Baby. I cannot believe we are here. This is so great. It's a dream come true. It is, right? We act like it was such a hurdle. (laughs) It's some hosting and some podcast software, but it feels like it's a lot. So here we are. We made it. We did. So we thought for the first episode, it would make sense to talk about marketing trends that are here to stay because we're going into a new year and everything old is kind of new again. It's feeling like, at least on the media side. Um, So we each came up with three things that we think are here to stay in marketing. So that's the topic for today. Yes. And we haven't told each other what they are. We're going to surprise each other. Yeah. We were like, let's not share it. I want to have genuine reactions to things and genuine dismay (laughs) over the state of marketing. I am going to have you go first, Jess. So what's your first marketing trend that you think is here to stay? Okay, my first marketing trend that I think is here to stay is zero click content. Ooh. Yeah. That's a juicy like? one. I like. like. Yeah. All right. So this one for me feels like it's the trend right now. It's gotten really, really big. This is like, I think Amanda Natividad probably was the one to like coin the phrase, but I think it just relies so heavily on like how people are now behaving on social media that I don't think it's going to go away anytime soon. So just to give some background uh, for anyone who doesn't know what zero click content is, basically it's the idea that instead of, hey, everyone that follows my company, here's a blog post we wrote about XYZ, click the link to read it, right? Like that is, I think, how most companies post. The trick with zero click is that you are actually teaching some sort of lesson inside the post itself and the click is additive. So you don't actually have to go to the blog post or the article or the video or whatever to have a great takeaway from the social post, but you could if you wanted to learn more. And I think, you know, knowing that so many social platforms now want you to stay on the platform and people want to stay on the platform. They're not ready to leave the second they read the post. So give them a little something, give them a little nugget, help them understand a new concept or, you know, one step of a process. And then if they want to learn more, they can go a little further, but you're providing that value without really forcing them to go anywhere or do anything else. And I think the thing with that, that scares people, this sounds very counterintuitive, right? Like tell them something without getting them to go to your website. 
Everyone still sees the website as like the holy grail of the place they have to go. Yeah. So you're like, you're not really leading them anywhere. You're not leading them anywhere that has like the demo button or like the buy now button, right? Which that's the scariest part. But the thing is like when you just continuously provide that value, that's when people want to come to your website and they want to learn more and they want to click, you know, book a demo or buy now. So that's why I think zero click content is here to stay. So it's really weird how perfectly that segues into my first trend, which actually ties into this, though it might not seem that way on the surface. So I think the first trend that is here to stay are the privacy changes we have seen on the media side. Those are not going to get walked back. And the reason I say that I feel like it's related to what you're saying is because the platforms have always wanted people to stay on them anyway. And the privacy changes have made that even more important because if you've opted out of tracking, the second that you leave the site, they instantly know so much less about what you're doing. If you stay on the platform and you do stuff, they can still watch that, right? You know, the privacy thing isn't going to necessarily change, but I think that it actually works a little bit in the favor of the zero click content thing because it actually helps the platforms between, you know, scanning what you're writing about, scanning what you're reading about, who you're interacting with, what you're doing. They can still learn a whole lot about how to target for things like ads. You know, they're certainly not going to walk back any of those changes. Yeah. I think it's going to be interesting to see what someday happens. <laughs> because Google keeps threatening to go cookie-less on Chrome and like it just keeps getting pushed out by a year or two every year. Yeah. So who knows what that will look like exactly. But I think, you know, for the social platforms, at least it's imperative for them that they gather enough data to kind of circumvent some of this stuff. And I think the zero click content is dovetailing nicely with that need to not, you know, be trying to force people to go off site. And I think smart marketers will understand that too, where it's like, it's really not to your benefit to just keep driving people to your site. It also just makes your remarketing audiences crappy. Like you end up forcing someone to go read something and they may not even be a great prospect. It's like, I don't want them in my remarketing pool necessarily. So it's not always a bad thing, but I'm interested to see where it goes in the future just because, I mean, it's pretty ratcheted down at this point, you know, privacy standpoint. Now it just kind of feels like it's platform by platform, what they're choosing to do or enforce or have. So I think we'll see some changes around that, but I feel like by and large, it's become a little bit more the norm and people are accepting of it. But I still think there are those people that hold out hope that maybe someday it'll go back to like it was, but Spoiler alert, it's not going to do that. So yeah. <laughs> we need to get used to the way things are. For sure. By the way, don't you wish you could just like push a project out another year every year? <laughs> Be like, well, we're not ready. <laughs> I'm not emotionally prepared to handle this project. <laughs> We need to wait another year. <laughs> That's going to be on our 2024. Yeah. Calendar. And we'll revisit in Q4 2023. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and let you know. Exactly. Okay. That's a great one. I totally agree with you. My next one is something that's kind of near and dear to my heart, and I'm sure yours as well, because of your incredible Twitter fame. I have chosen personal brands as a strategy for companies. Okay. Yeah. So I think, you know, we have seen in the last couple of years this rise of like, especially on LinkedIn, some on Twitter, but more so on LinkedIn in terms of like B2B or like company business is people kind of going out on their own and creating a brand in social and consistently posting, you know, about a kind of a niche topic every day that may or may not tie back to the company they work for, but may will definitely tie into like their expertise at that company, right? 
Mm-hmm. And what that does is it just gets people because people follow people, people buy from people. They don't necessarily care as much about a company unless like they're very well known for great content all the mm-hmm. time on social platforms. And so I think what that does is it like one, it gives kind of a human face to these companies who allow or encourage their employees to go out and build a personal brand. And it drives people to go learn more about that brand, right? So for instance, Devin Reed was the head of content at Gong for like five years. And he, I found him on LinkedIn. He would post about like what he was doing at Gong, like building in public, right? He would Mm -hmm. talk about like how he was building content there, what good content meant to Gong, how he was listening to customers to like figure out what they needed to create. And it made me more interested, more familiar, more loyal or excited to learn about Gong. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's a really beautiful strategy where it's just like find the people in your company who would best and most authentically speak to the audience of your company and encourage them to go out there and post and build a brand. And they don't have to talk about your company, but in them just talking about their expertise in general, you're going to drive people to your brand. And that, I feel like that, that's so true, especially in B2B too. It's yeah. it, like B2B just so notoriously has no personality. You know, yes. it's just always been like, corporate speak jargon. And I think that's been what's interesting about having so many startups in the SaaS world is that it's a different generation that are starting them. It's like, we're not the IBMs of the world where it was like (laughs) started in the 50s and 60s and you had to have like this very distinguished persona. But yeah, I agree. It's like that human face is so important. Yeah. And like when you think about IBM, they have so many employees and like they have no personality at the same time, right? Like, yeah, I don't think of anything. I think of like, for anybody that was a film major, I think of like Fritz Lang's Metropolis when I think of IBM. It's just like 10,000 people trudging to a company every day, but you don't really know anything about the company or the people, Yeah, which is weird because it's so large, right? Yeah. I see like their logo in the color blue, right? Yeah. And you have all these resources. You have all these people within your company who could be kind of a asset for you if you use them correctly. And again, like not to talk about the company, but to talk about their expertise and bring people in. So yep. that's that was a trend that I think is not just trendy, but I don't even know what you would call that. Permanent. Permanent. <laughs> classic. Yeah. Permatrend. <laughs> Perfect. So my second one, I think, is also going to be of great interest to you. And I'm hope, I hope I'm not stealing your third one. <laughs> but my second one is AI. Oh, you didn't steal it. That's a good one. Okay. So AI, there's really two main areas that I see this operating in. Being the weird kind of polymath that I am when it comes to marketing, I see it becoming a thing in different ways. So on the content creation and SEO side, you know, you have people that are using like Jasper and chat GTP, whichever it is, I always get it mixed up. Yep. You have people experimenting a lot with those and they're getting really good, really fast. You know, they're, it's ridiculous where they were a year ago versus where they are now. Yes. And I know even for me, like you and I have talked about that where it's like, I just want someone to give me an outline and then I will write 5,000 words on it. But it's like, I just need someone to give me a structure, right? Like I'm not, I'll get like a deer in headlights about the structure. And then once I have an outline, I can write like the wind. So I feel like it's a very useful tool in the content creation process. But the other way that I see AI is, is on the media side as well. And, you know, we see it not just in the buying 
kind of everything becoming more black boxy and giving less control to the media buyers. But then even in things like creative, you know, I mean, in Google, you can't even create a standard text ad anymore. You have to put in three to four headlines and, you know, three to four paragraph text and it will mix and match it for you. Now you can like pin them to force them to show a certain way, which is a royal pain in the tush, but they're definitely making it so it's AI driven first. You know, it's like there's they still have some loopholes with it, but by and large, that's what they're wanting you to go to. And I, I feel like this is an inevitable outcome of the fact that everything was just getting to be so complicated. It does just get to be too much for one human to handle well at a certain point. You know, I mean, it was like whether it was on the search side, I just remember we used to manage like tens of thousands of keywords because Google just wasn't smart enough to even know the difference between a singular and a plural at one time. (laughs) So we had to have both in there or you wouldn't show for it, right? You know, I feel like that was kind of inevitable. And just at this point, you're familiar with this, especially, and I think we're both intimately familiar with it, having been the entire marketing team (laughs) for a SaaS company. But the demand for content is so hard to keep up with. Like it is so hard. And so yes, you can make a piece of content and repurpose it several ways. But man, if you have a robot to help you do that in some way, shape or form, life is a hell of a lot easier. You know, just because you're a smaller company or a single person department that people don't automatically reduce their expectations of what your output is. So I think that it's just interesting to see all the different ways that AI is starting to play a part because it's everything from creative to efficiency and production. Like it's starting to find homes in different ways depending on where it's being housed. So that's been, and I feel like that's really just happened suddenly in like the last 90 days. Like I feel like no one was talking about AI copy at all. And like suddenly in September, Everyone started talking about it. And I was like, why Every, Why is everyone talking about this all of a sudden? It was yeah. wild. And now it, it's in my feed every single day. Yes. And it just happened so quick. It was interesting. So that's yeah. my second one. That's a really, really good one. I think too, like, I think there's a couple things. One is it's just going to get better and better. Like right now it needs a little bit of help. It needs like some humanity injected into it. And I think it's funny that like at the same time, Google's like, oh, nearly at the same time, I guess, like Google's helpful content update came out, right? Like, I don't think it could have come at a better time because I think what's going to happen is there are going to be a lot of companies who are looking to their content production and use these AI tools, which are helpful. But again, like you need a human touch still at this point to go in and really like- You got to massage it a bit. Yeah. I mean, you got to make sure there's a point of view. Like AI isn't going to give you that. A little bit of like personality, right? Some of the things just aren't even true. Like, (laughs) right. So it's like the accuracy even. So it's like, it still needs that help. And there's going to be a lot of a lot of companies out there who don't really understand that and just see this as a way to like generate more, 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 which doesn't mean quality at all. That's my other concern is like, I just remember the heydays of SEO where, you know, they had just like content spinners and content farms just turning out. Now, I think that's obviously the SERP is a lot smarter than it used to be. So I don't necessarily think it's going to rank or it's going to do anything, but I'm just like, I think we're just going to see some really... (laughs) crappy content for a bit. I think it's like people are going to be like, oh, I'll just use this. And then you're going to be like, wow, please don't use that anymore. That's terrible. So I think we're going to go through some growing pains with it still. For sure. Yeah. Okay. I have a third one. Okay. Third and final. Okay. Abandoning social channels. And hear me out on this one. I know this Mm. is crazy, but I am seeing with like Twitter going berserk. Oh yeah. Like everyone's kind of like, what do I even do there now? Yeah. 
what I really mean by this is companies really just finding the one social channel that works hardest for them and focusing there. Mm-hmm, so I think yeah. I think for a while brands were like, we need to have a presence everywhere. Yes. Yeah. We need to have a Facebook page, an Instagram page. We need to be on Vine. We need to be right. Like when Vine was a thing, rest in peace, Vine. Yeah. And like now, <laughs> now it's like we need to be on TikTok and and all these things. And it's like you can do seven things. Really badly. Really (laughs) badly or at the best, like mediocre. Yeah. Or you can find the one channel where your audience is like resoundingly there and engaged and just double down there and like forget everything else. And I think by and large, especially with like shrinking budgets, people are going to be doing that more often and they're going to see it actually works better that if they're just focused on one really strong channel, that's what, you know, they're just going to continue doing that. Even once we're out of this recession that actually started yet, yeah, but once we go into and come <laughs> out of or whatever for six months, <laughs> right. Whatever this thing that's coming is, you know, once we're on the other side of that, like, I think people will just continue with that kind of like really getting a well-oiled machine down in one channel. And then- I think the fear with that though, here's the counterpoint to that though. Okay. Let's hear it. Twitter's a good example of that. Someplace that spent all of these years, like, and I say that from the point of view of a marketer where it's like, and more so from, I think it's a more of a learned behavior from the paid media side where everyone was like, don't build your house on rented property. And it's like yeah. when iOS 14 hit Facebook, that was a good example of it in the ad world, right? And where it was yeah. just kind of like if you put all your eggs in that basket, but also I run into that running an e-commerce maker business on that side of my life. You know, I see in so many groups I'm in where people are, they hitch their entire cart to say Etsy, right? And Etsy algorithms have changed. It's gotten super saturated. It's very competitive. And they're like year over year, I'm down 50%. And they put all their focus there. So I think that's always the hard part is I think a lot of brands would prefer to be on one channel. But I think there's that diversification fear that they're like, if I do this, I mean, that was kind of what happened with Facebook, right? It was like everybody had a Facebook page, it was going crazy. And they're like, we are devaluing anything that's not personal content. And now there's essentially no organic reach. So they're like, I spent all these years and I have a hundred and something thousand Facebook likes and it really doesn't mean anything anymore because they don't see my content. So I think that's always the fear that I get it. You know, it's like, I totally get why they're just like, I'm always afraid to pick one because <laughs> yeah. inevitably they change, especially as they grow. You know, it's one thing to to build something when organic reach is crazy, but then as it gets harder, they're like, I spent all this time on it and now my posts aren't reaching anybody because there's all these people. There's kind of this natural cycle that we watch all of these platforms go through. Yeah. I think that's why people don't necessarily do it. You know, it's like, it's the scary thing that they're like, I'm going to put forth all this effort. And the thing is, it's probably just as much effort to spread yourself thin and do mediocre content across all those channels. So I think that's, I think your point's entirely valid. I think it just makes people scared. Totally. I think something that we did, you know, in our time together was really smart was like, okay, we're going to really focus on LinkedIn, Mm -hmm. but we're going to repurpose the exact same content in a couple other channels, right? Yeah. And so we focusing on them, we are creating content that is native to that mm-hmm. platform. So it's much more native to like LinkedIn yep. was really, really strong for us. But at least we had something out there that was in case, you know, whatever, if we needed to make a pivot, or at least we had eyeballs somewhere else, right? So I don't think that's really to say like, leave everything, but you're right. Like you have to have a couple eggs and a couple other baskets so you don't get caught you know, like yeah. completely in trouble at some point Yep, for something you can't control. Yep. Okay. So my third trend, I'm thinking of this one because I've watched it happen 
on the paid media side. And you can tell me if you've seen this on the content side. Okay. But I've seen it also in other areas like email marketing. And I see it in SEO a lot. I really think that especially in the past 10, 15 years, a lot of people that were ostensibly in marketing weren't necessarily marketers. They were good at the channel that they managed, right? So we saw this a lot in paid media. We saw this a lot in Google. And we certainly saw it in Facebook ads because that really cleaned house (laughs) once iOS 14 hit. But I feel like what we're seeing now is that a lot of the tools Things like the helpful content update is an example, or you know, a lot. If you look at a lot of the changes these platforms are making, it's about having better marketing rise to the top. I mean, that's their goal. I'm not saying they do it well. <laughs> I'm just saying I think yeah. that's their goal. There are so many people that were in marketing functions that aren't necessarily good marketers, right? And we, I run into this on the paid media side a lot, where it's like there were so many brands or so many agencies that you know they were bragging about everything they were earning and you know how much they were spending and blah blah blah. And the fact of the matter was it their stuff wasn't necessarily that good and they weren't necessarily amazing creative or marketing people. It was they had a really great Facebook algorithm and they could do math really well to kind of figure out how to make it work. You know what I mean? And and that's not yeah. a slam on them. I mean, it's like because it was a needed skill. Yeah. I just think that it's been interesting to see. And I, I watch the, these arguments a lot on the SEO side as well now, too, because it used to be kind of about like tech and, and content. And even though it still is. There is this also that awareness. There's no point in making stuff that isn't helpful to users because they're not going to read it anyway. So I kind of enjoy the fact the pendulum is swinging back towards being marketers because it felt like it just got away from that for so long where it was just it was really easy to put money into a machine and make money back. And you didn't have to have good creative. You didn't have to have a brand. And I think so many brands got a wake up call when the when the privacy changes hit because they thought they had built this amazing brand because they were getting, you know, a three X ROAS on Facebook or five X or some people were getting eight or 10. It was crazy. And they're like, oh, we had this great brand, blah, blah, blah. And then once that died, they had nothing. I mean, they had and that was a the diversification thing like we talked about. But B, they didn't really understand what it means to be able to market a business end to end. You know, they were so focused on we're really good at acquiring customers. And it's like, yes, that takes marketing skill, but retaining them and not letting them get distracted by competitors is a humongous marketing skill. I mean, and that's the one that keeps you from losing your butt (laughs) spending money, right? So I think that was the other thing I've seen is it feels like, especially in just like the early 2010 to 2015, 16, 17 era, it was really dominated by people that knew the channels really well and how to manipulate them to get the results they want. But it really wasn't necessarily because they were good marketers, right? They were, I mean, and they were smart. Don't get me wrong. I mean, they figured out stuff on these platforms. And I'm like, how did you even figure out that out? Like I would never, my brain doesn't work that way. But I feel like so many of the changes that have been made by the tools are specifically to combat that and to focus more on better messaging, better marketing for users, yeah. for a better user experience that I'm starting, I've definitely seen the crack show at the places and the people that can hack it and those that can't. And And it's not to say that they're not talented. It's just that marketing might not be their talent, right? There's other pieces of it, like operations and stuff that they're great at, but they're not necessarily. And I think some of them even realize that. I mean, they're just like, I'm not, I don't want to write copy for Facebook ads. I'm not a good writer. You know, they're like, I understand how to target and buy media all day long, but like, you don't want me. I am not a designer. Like, do not ever ask me to design anything. If it is not in a template where I can just like pick what I want, I am just a deer in headlights. I just don't work that way. My brain knows what it would like to see. I can't make my hands create it. 
on the screen. It just doesn't happen. So I think just people are learning their limitations as marketers, which has been interesting to watch just to kind of see how that's evolved. But I think that that trend is probably going to continue. Yeah. I think there are tools that kind of like we were saying with AI, I think that they can help supplement you know, where you're weaker, you know, like for me, thank God for Shopify. (laughs) Thank God for Canva, you know, like all of those things that they're tools for people where it's just like, you know, that that's not your forte and or it's not the best place to spend your time. I think that stuff will continue. But it's just been interesting to see it happen in the marketing world. And I think that's also why we see so many, you know, startup marketing tools in the SaaS world is because these are all things that need to be done. And now that so many marketing people are kind of trying to do everything, (laughs) they're not good at all of it. Yeah. It's funny that you say that because I think it's it makes me think of two things. One, I think it was Airbnb who just recently announced like they are putting all of their marketing dollars into building their brand. Like they're focused solely on brand work, right? Meaning like they're not going to worry about, you know, performance advertising. They're not going to worry about, they're going to focus on the brand because that is what is around at the end of the day when the algorithms change and the budgets get cut. What you are left with is what you have built in your brand, right? And so it's the ones that have the strongest brand that people are going to remember, come back to, continue to use when those discretionary dollars be it consumer dollars or business dollars, get cut back, right? And then I think the other example it makes me think of is there was a couple Super Bowls ago. It was like, why do we still celebrate these Super Bowl ads like TV is dead? And the funny thing was like Instagram, Facebook, and I think one other, I can't remember who else, somebody else, some other social platform had a Super Bowl commercial. And it was like, those folks have all the data, Google, right? Like Google, yeah. all the data in the world. And they're they're running television spots. So there's something still there, right? So like, it's that brand piece that you need that recognition and familiarity. And like, what do you stand for? That again, like when all of those dollars go away and you can't just put a dollar in and know that seven are going to come back out, you know, that's that's what's been interesting to see too is like, I mean, I started marketing. I mean, the internet was already a thing. I'm not that old, but it wasn't like it is today. And so what's been interesting to me is to kind of see how full circle it's come where it was like, you know, everyone was just like brand awareness. Like it was so like, who needs that? You know, in like the the mid, like early 2000s, everyone's like, you're not going to need to have a brand, whatever. And it's just funny to see how enduring it actually is because yeah. it was like all these tools and all these things were added and then they were taken away and everyone realized, nope, you still have to have that. It was kind of like this big marketing learning lesson. You know, like it was like those sitcoms where they learn something within 30 minutes or this was, <laughs> this was over the span of 30 years. Yeah. Everyone realized like, oh crap, we really needed that. I guess we shouldn't have like poo-pooed all over having a brand. And yeah. it's interesting how many conversations I have now with prospects. And I feel like I see this a lot more in in B2B. Like I feel like D2C kind of gets it and even like retail gets it because they've kind of been, especially the retail side, they've been doing this so much longer. They kind of know, especially if they have stores and stuff, how important that is. But the B2B side, I think there's just this dawning awareness because I mean, frankly, you know, B2B SaaS wasn't around for that entire cycle. You know, that really wasn't a thing until the heyday. We collected 10,000 emails getting one download, right? And it's like, and we didn't nurture them and do anything and they signed up, right? So I feel like so many of the conversations I have now are a lot of places that they're doing the right things. Like they're checking the box, they're making the content, but it's still a little elusive to them how to bring all of that together to create a brand experience. You know, it's like, it still feels like a bunch of tactics as opposed to a well-executed brand strategy. It feels like there's still a gap there, you know, which I think is such a great opportunity when we're talking about people have to go back to being good marketers at what they do heading into this year 
I just feel like there's such an opportunity because there are so many brands like they have all the pieces, but I just feel like they're sitting in the middle of a garage with a car taken apart and they're like, I have all the pieces, but I can't make a car, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and so I feel like it's a good opportunity for them to be able to do that. So it's just an interesting time to, to be watching that on the B2B side. Great time to be alive, everyone. What a time to be alive. What a time to be in marketing. (laughs) It's been interesting. Um, So I think that was all we had for today's episode. Yes. Those are good. Good surprises. I know. know. I'm so excited about the new year. I know. All right. Well, we will be back next week with another scintillating marketing topic, no doubt. And until then, we will see you all next time. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Hey, guess what? What? That's marketing. That's marketing, baby. That's marketing, baby. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of That's Marketing, Baby. Like what you heard? Please give us some love with a review. And don't forget to hop into our community list at thatsmarketingbaby.com to get more helpful tips, resources, and thoughts from us. See you next week.